Open your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We will be there in just a moment. Just wanted to share a few thoughts with you this evening. It's something that I talk about a lot. It's always good to hear and always good to, to ponder on, especially now we're coming up towards the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. It's a time when people make New Year's resolutions, a new start, a fresh start in the year. So I thought this one might be appropriate time to think about giving our best to God. And something, like I said, that we mention often and uh, talk about, but I wanted to share this. I came across this as I was going through some archives and found this, um, this I did this for an exhortation many years ago, but there's a story in the beginning of this that I thought was pretty interesting. And it goes like this. Years ago, uh, Chinese farmers decided that they would eat uh, the big good potatoes, and the smaller potatoes, they would just use those for seed. They would use those to cut up and to replant. And, and, and as they're doing this, they, they realize uh, a nature, a uh, law of nature. They kind of stumbled upon it. As they pra- kept practicing this over and over, year after year, guess what happened to the potatoes? They kept getting smaller and smaller, didn't they? So they see, they were keeping all the good ones, all the big ones, and they were eating them. And they were using the smaller ones for seed. And so over the years, Potatoes just kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. This is one of those undeniable facts of nature. It has to do with sowing and reaping. These farmers learned that they just couldn't do that year after year and expect the potatoes to still be nice and big. So what they stumbled on is the, is the idea that the harvest would reflect planting. And this is a concept that Scripture talks about a lot. But planting small potatoes, sadly, is still a common practice. And I mean that in the the spiritual sense. Too many of us take the big things in our lives and keep those for ourselves and let those little things, well, that's what we'll plant for next year. That's what we'll use next year. We'll keep the big things now. And we'll just pass off on those little things. We expect that by some crazy twist of laws that our selfishness will be rewarded this way. That if we just plant these small things, that somehow we're going to be blessed by that, immeasurably. We know that's not the case. We must learn that we we can't always eat the big potatoes and still keep on producing them by sowing the small ones using those small ones for seed. Planting small potatoes simply means that that's all we can expect in return. You know, things grow after their own kind. You know, animals reproduce after their own kind, and so do plants. We can't expect just to keep getting the same size out of smaller and smaller seed. Planting uh, planting small potatoes simply means that's all we're going to get in return because it has to do, again, with the sowing and the reaping. In Galatians 6 and verse 7, it says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
For whatever man sows, so shall he reap. God understands this. He understands this simple principle. And here's the application to spiritual. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. Look in 2 Corinthians 9 here. If you turn there, 2 Corinthians 9. Here's this in a little bit more detail about sowing and reaping. Beginning in verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9 says, Now I say this, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully shall also reap bountifully. Let each one of you do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound in you, that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor. His righteousness abides forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. Here's that idea expressed in more detail. If we sow sparingly, we're going to reap sparingly. But the opposite of that is true also. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. God blesses those who make the sacrifices to him, who sow bountifully to him. It says there, you will be enriched in everything and all liberality, which through us is producing thanksgiving to God. God blesses us when we set aside and do the things that we've been told to do bountifully and not holding back. It reminds us of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Look over in Acts chapter 5. Remember this story well, too, but fits in well with what we're talking about here, about sowing and reaping. Ananias and Sapphira, they made a big mistake. In Acts chapter 5, beginning verse 1, it says, Now uh, a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge, and bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? While it, was, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not under your control? Why is it that you have conceived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And he heard, and when he heard these words, Ananias fell dead and breathed his last, and great fear came upon those who heard it. Same fate would befall Sapphira. The trouble Ananias and Sapphira got into was not in bringing the offering. That was fine. To bring the offering, to sell this piece of land and bring the proceeds and lay it at the apostles' feet, that was fine. The problem they got into is what they held back for themselves. What does Peter say here? You have not lied to men, but to God. So as they're taking the proceeds from this piece of property that they sold, think about it in these terms. They took the profit off the top. And then what was left, they brought that to the apostles. Makes you think, doesn't it? Makes you think about the taxes that we pay. 
our family budgets that we set, what are we giving to God? Do we start up here at the top? Or do we give him what's way down here at the bottom? After we've paid Uncle Sam all the taxes that he wants. It's food for thought. Think about what it is that you're giving to God. The law of reaping and sowing shows up all over the place. You think about it. Shows up in our family relationships. Shows up in our friendships. In our jobs and in the lives of the community that we live in. in Politics. (laughs) Shows up everywhere, doesn't it? This idea of what we get out of something is what we put into it. So if we put just a little bit into a relationship, we shouldn't expect to get a lot back out of it. But the opposite is true. If we put a lot into a relationship, we should expect to get a lot back out of it. And that's usually the case. But this law especially applies in our service to God. You may or may not get that back in the world, depending on who you're dealing with. But with God, you will. We succeed when we sacrifice. Whether it's attending worship, teaching others about God, visiting the sick, what we give here the first day of the week, our contribution. We get back what we sow in those circumstances because God's in control of that. And he's told us that he'll bless us in that way. But it's it's truly a sacrifice. Is our time given to him truly a sacrifice? Is it just the three hours a week, or is it more than that, four hours a week? Do we come here? Is that what we give to God? When we give back on the first day of the week, the monies that we give, are we given to such a point that it's a sacrifice? Or are we just reaching in our pocket for the change we might have that day? If we're doing these things, if we're using the small potatoes to give back to God, what should we expect in return? Don't we expect the big potatoes? Romans 12 and verse 1 speaks of being a living sacrifice. You know, that's one of those passages that you live with for a while and get more and more meaning out of as you, as you go through life. If we're to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, what does that mean? It means we don't kill these bodies. It means our very existence is a sacrifice to God. Think of it in those terms. Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Let us continually offer up a sacrifice to God. That is the fruit of our lips. Continually offer up a sacrifice to God. The fruit of our lips. What we say. What we sing. That's our sacrifice to God. The praises that come to him. The words that we say to each other. Where is the sacrifice in that? Are we truly sacrificing something? Or are we just paying lip service? Those big potatoes given to God will result in more blessings than we can even comprehend. You know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and we can stand here and look back in our life and see how we've been blessed with family or with um, our own growth, our own material blessings that we've been blessed with by God. It's easy to look back and see where those things have come from. 
But do you really appreciate them in the here and now? Do you really appreciate what God is doing for you today? And if you get a grasp of that, you'll want to do more and more for him each and every day. In Malachi 3, God is teaching the Israelites this law. This law of of sowing and reaping. In Malachi 3, beginning in verse 8, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, How have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings, you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Notice what he says here. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, so that there may be food for my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord, if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. You know, one of the things about God's blessings are that they are overflowing. They're bountiful. He doesn't just bless us if we're serving him. The blessings that come upon us are bountiful, overflowing. Look in Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. Our Lord speaks in this same way about expecting back what we put in. Here in Luke chapter 6, beginning verse 35, it says, But love your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Even our Lord understands and, and, and is, is trying to communicate here that God is so bountiful in the blessings, even on people who aren't deserving of it but especially those who are. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. And do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And they will pour into your lap, for by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. What are we giving? What's coming out of us? Is it what we have left over? Or is it the very best that we have? Is it the very best that we have that we're giving back to God? And we do that by giving to others as well. We had a lesson maybe a week or two ago about those that were, those Jews that were holding back and not giving to their parents, calling it Corbin, calling it what they had set aside for God. And Jesus called him on that. You can't do that. You can't hold back what you're supposed to be giving to your parents and call that a sacrifice to God. You have to do both. The greatest blessing, of course, that we have as Christians, the promise that we have of eternal life. John 14 and verse 2 says, In my house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go to prepare a place for you. God, Jesus, our Lord, himself has told us that there's room in heaven for us. And he's gone there to prepare a place for us. What a blessing that is. We try to wrap our minds around what heaven will be like. 
We get a glimpse of it in John's revelation. But that's just a glimpse. It's just a, a human writing down, describing what he's seeing. And falling short, I'm sure. At the splendor and the beauty of heaven. He was given just a glimpse into it. Can you imagine what it will be like? Spend an eternity in the presence of our God? We can have hope in heaven if we choose to live our life to God rather than keeping it for ourselves. If we're keeping the big potatoes and can cutting up the small ones and replanting them, you think we can expect heaven that way? You think God will bless us in that way? Or you think God understands that we're holding back the best that we have for our own selves out of selfishness? Jesus says, for whoever desires to have his life will lose it, but ever, whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Matthew 16 and verse 25. Whoever desires his life will lose it. Are we willing to give up everything? Are we willing to give up our lives and our service to God? He expects our best. It's been said many places in the Bible, and even in the world, that we reap what we sow. It's a biblical principle. And we see it in nature, too. With the wonderful hope of eternal life in heaven as a reward, shouldn't we be sowing only our best? John tried to describe heaven. But it's going to be more than that. Because it's an eternity in the presence of our God. What's that worth to you? Is that worth whatever's left at the bottom line? Or is it worth what's at the top? The very best that we have. Like I said, we're entering into the new year, leaving this old year and entering into a new year. Some things to think about. Think about rededicating yourself. Are you giving your best to God? I'll challenge you to think hard about it. And if you're not giving your best to God, make the changes that you need to make. We offer an invitation this time. If you're not giving your best to God and you've failed him, make the changes necessary in your own life. If you have sinned in a public way or would like to have the prayers of this congregation, we can help you with that. Let your request be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.